Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to a very special Measuring Flicks My name is Carl Hartley I'm Max Peterson, baby Holy shit Woo! Okay, it is the shootout episode. It is. This is it's our very first. <laughs> I know. It's our first shootout of the quarter. I, I feel like it's Christmas morning and day and afternoon. Also New Year's and, and some sort of pagan holiday where Satan sucks your dick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> More that than Christmas, actually. So, because this is an un- this is the first of a of this type of episode, right. I think it would behoove us to explain to people um, what the overall premise of the larger show is. Yes. Um, and remind ourselves, right? What, because what we're doing? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Other than the reason, all uh, other than the Just watching the fun amazing talking, movies. Yeah. All right. So the whole idea behind this podcast when we first started doing it was we were going to watch fifty-two movies, <laughs> one movie a week for an entire year. Um, and we were going to do each month would have its own theme. Mm-hmm. And then we came up with this, the title first, which was measuring flicks. Yeah. It was kind of fun how that came about. Yeah, It was fun and funny. And then we were like, you know, what we could also do is we could shoot, like do a shootouts with the movies. And we decided we settled on doing quarterly shootouts. Mm-hmm. So every three months we'll shoot out all the movies that we've covered in those three months. It's totally crazy because we're mixing genres and decades and types of <laughs> movies. So it's not like, what was the best sci-fi movie of 2014? No, it's, it's it's like we like the three categories that we're covering today are movies about insane people, westerns, <laughs> and Nicolas Cage, which is kind of movies kind about of insane people. Yeah. But uh yeah, I think I've I've managed to stack them up in a way that makes sense, sure. which was so fucking weird how like the movies <laughs> kind of dovetail. I'm together. so proud of you. Um so Finding a way. this is our first shootout and we're going to pick our winner for the quarter and then at the end of the year, we're going to take our four winners and do a final shootout for best oh, film. Man. Um but we are also we haven't it, entirely decided but we've talked about doing like an oscar style like um yeah you like know, other honorable mentions so sure. that our last uh, our last shootout isn't just four just, films yeah um and bring in some maybe more dark horse things or right, bring well, back like the what they used to do on american idol when you could bring back like the person that got, who got voted booted off out or whatever like is like two. we're gonna bring you back in for a chance. look at sonya right exactly <laughs> but, um, idle some, i was thinking some yeah flicks. like we could probably because the way that i have the shootouts stacked up i just went on google and i looked up um tournament style brackets yeah, that's hilarious and then i copied them so i was like i'm doing sing- basically single elimination with right. like a uh three different i called them divisions i have the top contenders division top contenders division two which is like ever so slightly not weaker but those, right. those films aren't quite as like devastatingly okay. they're not popular. like the, right okay. the, the top bracket is these movies i'm pretty sure are all fairly strong with the exception of the jacket which didn't belong anywhere else fair enough that uh top contenders division two i mean i've got the man who shot liberty valance and raising arizona there and then i've got the dark horse division which is the movies <laughs> that either you and i disagreed on right. strongly because it's it's unlikely that we're going to like come into some weird unison and be like valley girl was <laughs> the best movie. <laughs> exactly but uh, I I did put that division together because I do feel that there are um there's at least one film there and maybe two that could get could farther get for, for farther the, okay. than we're anticipating. So what what are the so they right. I can see it you can but see they it? can't see it. We're so gonna, what do yeah. we have? What what is up what is up first? So in our top contenders division, I'm just gonna read all the films and then we can 
to kind Perfect. of dig right in. But in our top contenders division, we have the Searchers versus the Jacket. Oh, actually, you know what? I've got all the info here. So it's uh, 1956's The Searchers, directed by John Ford, and 2005's The Jacket, directed by John Maybury. I didn't even write, so I went and rewrote notes on the the ones that I thought were. That's why I don't I, have anything written. That's down why on the I made my crib. I've got just like a slow clap for Adrian Brody. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've got the the month that they originally aired in, the director, oh, and cool. the year, and then I have uh, the information on what you sent me, and I think it's kind of interesting that our top five are the same oh no they're in a, shit. They're in a, different, a different order but it's the same five films just rearranged i think i don't know if you sent them to me in i order did not, or not send them to you in any particular order so as not to give too much away interesting i'm it glad you is. did it that way all right after uh searchers and jacket we have 2004's the machinist directed by brad anderson versus 1995's kiss of death directed by barbette schroeder and that is our top contenders division one next division down we've got the top contenders division two Starting with uh, 1987's Raising Arizona, directed by the Coen Brothers, 19, versus 1992's Unforgiven, directed and starring Clint Eastwood. Second matchup in Top Contenders Division 2 is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance from 1962, directed by John Ford, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, 1969, George Roy Hill. That takes us into the Dark Horse, Dark Horse. Division. These are the, these, <laughs> these, yeah, I know. In a weird way, this is like my favorite division. Yeah, there's like a all lot the of grimy. muck in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, first up, we have A Scanner Darkly, 2006, directed by Richard Linklater, versus In the Mouth of Madness, 1995, by the esteemed John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, which is like my, my <laughs> favorite, my, my last little bracket, is uh, Valley Girl, 1983, directed by Martha Coolidge, versus 2011's Drive Angry, directed by Patrick Lucier. And when you look at those two movies together... Right. That's the same guy starring in those two, and that's fucking. They're that worlds is a, apart. That's a divide between those two movies. All right, so let you want to just dive straight into it. I think it? we should. Yes. All right, we're gonna move our. We're gonna start at the top and work our way down. So, Searchers versus the Jacket. The, is the Searchers first one. versus the Jacket okay, is the first. Okay. Do we need to have to any head. discussion about this one at all, or just put the Searchers? I do. In there? kind of regret that the jacket did not have the, it didn't fit anywhere I else I feel bad because I did write notes on some of the other like I revisited them and sort of rethought about right certain movies the jacket I was just like no nah, that was okay that was See, that's like all of my notes that's the weird thing about the jacket is I, I remember when we did the episode mm-hmm. both of us really liked it we got the morgue drawer jokes out absolutely, of there absolutely yeah um, we I think like two of the performances we've talked about I can't remember her name but she popped up in two movies this year the Domergu yeah Dom, <laughs> Domergu <laughs> but we really liked Adrian Brody we really liked yeah. Domergu sorry whatever your name is actress it's lady we really liked your Jennifer performances Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee yeah. fucking good pull sir thank you um I remember we really liked it, and mm-hmm. I, I liked it when and we... And the subtlety in their performances and the makeup when they went forward in time, it didn't seem yeah. like overly done. So it was a well-done movie. It Yeah, there just wasn't enough to like... Well, what's weird is in front of sitting in front of me, this is my list in order okay. so that I can refer to it if we do shootouts mm-hmm. and like which ones should I go to the mat for if we start arguing about something. Fair enough. But weirdly, the jacket is at the bottom of my list. It's the movie. The very last movie. Yeah. And we should say, by the way, we've we agreed early on we're going to do our favorite movie, not the best movie. Not the movie. best movie. That's just because 
that's two different things. Utterly different, and it's not exactly fair. Like right. if, if next year, I think we've we're kind of kicking around doing The Godfather. Yeah. Why do anything? Why do else? anything else? If other you do than, The Godfather, yeah. just be like, oh, The Godfather is the 2019 year. Right. Season <laughs> three. Done. Yeah, it's a one. You'd have to put it up against like Citizen Kane and some of the other like. And who wants to do that? I don't. I was talking. I was actually talking to somebody about this once. Another film friend of mine, and he was saying like, I, I'm like, name your five favorite movies, and he was like, Oh, dude, it's like Schindler's List, uh, Saving Private Ryan. I'm like no 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 not the five best movies you can think of what are your five favorite favorite movies and he's like what are yours I'm like I don't know like right now the big Lebowski's in that list and I'm not gonna say that the big Lebowski is a better movie than Schindler's List right but are you just gonna like get home crack a beer and pop Schindler's List on watch Schindler's List you know what I haven't seen in a while fucking Schindler's List man yeah, we're gonna spin that. Right. <laughs> Give that a watch. No, like, yeah, the best movies. I haven't felt like killing myself yet today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'll put on my red dress and. I pardon you. <laughs> exactly. It's like, um, you know, it's it, there are people more qualified than us to talk about the best movies. Oh, but certainly we can have our favorites. <laughs> Absolutely, because it's solely opinionated. So. Yep. Yes, I'm not taking anything away from the jacket as a as a good film, which it totally was. It was just weirdly when I sat down, that's the movie I cared least about. It's not one that I'm going to put on the shelf of of you know board on a weekend. These are your top twenty right, movies right, right. to pull from. Like you no. got like you have movies to hand in the jacket's not one. Like no. uh, definitely, it's a cool movie to be like. Oh, have you ever seen the jacket? Oh, dude, let's fucking watch it. But, yeah, you know, like that's that's like a that's like a midnight. We're already kind of drunk. Right. What should we do now? Or someone's going through your binders like, what's the jacket? Like, oh, like, dude, you haven't seen the jacket? Dude, more drawer. Right. That movie's fucking Sweet, cool. Like, you throw it on, right. but again, like in this in this stack. It's my least it's, favorite. Uh, yep. So yeah. So I, I think we both agree. Yeah. The searchers. We we can talk about the searchers once We're it talk, once it gets once it some gets, competition. Yeah. All right. So you vamp for a second. I'm gonna cross uh, off all right. our first loser. So the first loser is the jacket. I almost feels sorry for it being put up against the searchers in a way, but I also feel like it would be weird to start off with something like say the man who shot Liberty Valance versus the searchers. Like right. Let's just that break would the be podcast right at the top. Of the exactly. Show. I, you'll notice I avoided taking any of any our of the, top picks and pitting them against each other right off the bat. I, I wanted to give fair. some other movies a little yep. bit of time. So moving on down the list, to we, Machinist versus I think Kiss this is a good shootout. We've got, mm-hmm. yep, The Machinist 2004 right, so, versus Kiss of Death. So The Machinist is is my pick for this for shootout. For this particular shootout. Okay. The Kiss of Death is something you feel more strongly about or... Um, honestly, the the machinist is higher up on my list yeah. as well. So I think we're in agreement, and I do think that ultimately the machinist is going to win this round. Yeah. But before we say goodbye to Kiss of Death, we should talk about that movie for a minute. If we, it was up against, I don't want to say if it was in a different bracket that it might win against. Uh, for it might have gone a little farther, but farther. But I mean, part, you can't choose what's going to go in what bracket. Like, well, I did you randomize it. <laughs> but, but no, well, I think I think the, what it's failing is here is it was good enough mm-hmm. to get into the top bracket, but not good enough to compete there. So even making it into these top four films was a big deal, right? Because that is like that's where the, the gold is shining in this top bracket. Absolutely. Right? Okay. So I think that like looking back, because Nicolas Cage month could have been just like utter absurdity and craziness right. and madness, and just and like there was some real. There's merit to this merit, movie. Absolutely. This, there's merit to this movie. There's there's other movies in this list that. I would say Kiss of Death beats Cold. Like I think Kiss of Death smashes everything, almost everything in the Dark Horse division. Yeah. I think Kiss of Death is even pretty strong against for me. Like um, it's pretty, it's not quite, it's not going to beat Butch Cassidy, but, but I, it's I like, really, right. I noticed from a storytelling standpoint, it's, it's a real good thriller. 
do you have your uh, your whole list written out? So I, I so for the machinist, I have the the notes. But oh, I meant, um, do you have all of these films in order for yourself? I don't. You know, I didn't do an order. Okay, okay, no, that's fine. I just picked what my top five were and then wrote myself notes to try and figure out which one was my top one. Right. And I discovered through a couple of different criteria actually more than uh, actually. Uh, what so I, I, I sort of looked at each of my top five, and, and so the criteria of relevance, rewatchability, performances, screenplay, or story, the uniqueness of the movie, the cinematography, the, if it's breaking new ground, uh, the afterburn effect, or how long it sticks with you after right. you've seen it, mm-hmm. and then is it recommendable? What do you take away? Does it inspire you as an actor, writer, filmmaker? And bottom line, did you like the fucking movie? Damn, those are so. Those are your categories. Those my, that, that's my criteria for. I'm gonna have to borrow that from you because no, not that a problem. Would, that would totally make not right now, but no, no, for, no. for the I next shootout, I'd like to have because Bird and I. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but Bird and I have similar criteria for horror films. We rate every horror film we Beautiful. watch based on uh, five categories. So, and it, it's nice because you watch a movie and you can real you realize that you can enjoy a movie that's not a good film because oh, yeah. it'll end up with you know zero stars or whatever on a rating but we're both like that was kind of fun it's like enjoyed it and then there's other ones that you can see are objectively awesome where you're like really four stars we liked it that much but it just you it is excelling in categories right. but it's missing some sort of like jouissance that other films right. can hit you with yeah. um so on my list kiss of death is right below butch cassidy in the sun wow okay so what i did was i did um to keep with our weird sports metaphor right. i did my final four which is my top four picks then i did like the what I call my solid films they're good movies in the middle and then all the dark horses are basically at the Fair bottom enough. but yeah Kiss of Death is on my list it's yeah. it's hanging out near Butch it's Cassidy it's highly recommendable like we said on the episode for Kiss of Death it's like sort of it's we got more out of it than I think we expected. It's weird because we were joking about it. Yeah. At the end of the pre, uh, the end of the previous <laughs> the month, we were like, "Oh, that'll be a nice palate cleanse." We were like, "No, that was actually a pretty dense film." Well, with, Drive Angry yeah. was the quote unquote palate right. cleanser, but no, yeah, yeah, it was weird watching watching Kiss of Death. You expect you expect because it's a it's a nineteen ninety five. Yeah, it's a ninety five mm-hmm. Nick Cage movie. It could have been a lot more campy than it was. Right. Or it sort of <clears throat> felt like a nineties. And it could have drama. Yeah. And also it could have been more cagey than it was. Right. And he delivers, we talked about it in the episode, but he he delivers like a legitimately nuanced and powerful performance in that movie. It's awesome. It's a good movie, but it's definitely not as good as the machinist. No, that is clearly moving forward. Right. Vamp again. All right. So Max is doing a fantastic job putting the marker through kiss of death. (laughs) And now he is writing the machinist on the bracket next to that. How was that for a vamp? I, I pretty was, much was just saying what you were doing. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger doing a commentary track. Right. Have like, you ever heard? Yeah, I was, uh, it was saying John Connor and I didn't understand his That's guy. a pretty good Arnold Schwarzenegger, Darn. sir. <laughs> Have you ever, It's. I think, I can't remember if it's, uh, pre, it's either Predator or Commando, but he does, there's a, the commentary track that people make fun of all the time oh, right. where he just literally like, like, says, uh, and here I am, I'm walking down the hallway and I yeah, didn't know like, what Lowe now, was. Yeah, now, <laughs> now my character shoots another character and look, I'm lighting a cigar. <laughs> right. It's literally like literally films what? for the blind is oh, like God, what it I seems feel like. like. I feel like it's like Total Recall or something like that. But You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Okay, cool, cool. Like um, there's a Paul Verhoeven track and then there's the one of the Schwarzenegger, which is just him <laughs> just visually like, just telling you everything that he's doing. Oh. I wasn't in the scene, but there they are. They're having a conversation. Dude, seriously, I'm not kidding. We should watch some Schwarzenegger oh, films dude, just to let that off the chain more often. I want to. Um, all right, so we're moving down to the Top Contenders Division 
two. Bracket two. Bracket. Uh, it's actually. What do we, we well, call no, this? Bracket ta- three. Bracket three. Or is it bracket one of this division? Oh fuck! Oh, I don't know no. sports. Don't, do you watch sports? I don't do a sport. Do you do? Do you watch them though? I sometimes walk faster than normal. Oh my god! You're an athlete. No. Okay. Pretty, anyway, pretty so we're gonna call it. Uh, we're gonna call it bracket three because we're just moving three. down the list. Right. So right. bracket three, raising Arizona versus Unforgiven. So I just, because I'm weird, I listened to our Unforgiven podcast okay. today, because yeah. I'm just trying to pick up on things that we can improve on, you know, self-evaluation, things right. like that. Sure. And even just listening to the Unforgiven podcast, you sort of changed my mind again on a couple of things, okay. like with Clint Eastwood's performance in particular, right? and the intention behind some of the performances, which... I took upon, you know, first, second, and third viewing as bad performances. Talking about the kid? Well, the kid and and also Clint Eastwood being like that rusty hinge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that spoke to me even more than when we were just having the conversation right. at the time. I'm like... Listening ah, back. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, he really was intentional in his journey as William Money. And it actually gave me chills thinking about that experience for him as an actor not only as clint eastwood the man right who became that leathered weathered and sort of tired oh at the time yes that's the and just it it blew my fucking mind all over again that being said this is against raising arizona yes which i, I holy crap i, I was, mean after some some soul searching i think i discovered that this is about our movies that we like and not necessarily we think other people would like right yeah raising arizona is not going to fit the bill for a lot of people right i think the coen brothers style is unique enough to actually push some people away where they don't get it they're not looking but you you can also just watch the movies to watch them and enjoy them anyways but i think from a purely filmmaking standpoint and what i'm gonna watch on a rainy rainy like saturday afternoon it's gonna be raising arizona yeah but i think i will rewatch unforgiven sooner when i than raising arizona just to watch it for for real and not through that weird Sergio Leone lens that right. I watched it through yeah, previously. Yeah, yeah. We get, well the thing for me was I think the, I think Unforgiven will still be strangely relevant 10 to 15 to 20 years from now we're raising Arizona is this a goofy comedy not really about anything okay it's just a funny fun living cartoon see I I I think we're both in agreement that Racing Arizona is going to go on, but I want right. to disagree with you on that point because for me, mm-hmm. I think as far as I'm the thing that stuck with me most about our episode on Unforgiven was I sort of came to the conclusion I I had a note about it, but it really solidified in my mind mm-hmm. when we were talking about um, Clint Eastwood's performance as Bill Money, and you realize that. His, we talk about um, like physical traits as a character, and yes. you realize that Clint Eastwood's face is the actual product of a life of a cowboy mm-hmm. because that's what he's that's played what he for his whole life. All those Sergio Leone movies, the, all those Man with No the name Man with No Name trilogy, all mm-hmm. the High Plains Drifter, um, he's he's literally developing the you know the. The, the rough hips of riding a horse, exactly. beaten by the sun, the abraded hands from handling rope. Everything you see in in on the screen in Unforgiven, he's earned. He's earned that as yeah. a human, as a real human, not a character. So, 
there's a weird, there's a stunningly weird, but awesome and not, not like, Oh, that's awesome. But like right. awe-inspiring. Very awe-inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah, as a, as a person that, that likes to act yeah. and not get paid for it, <laughs> but to see that kind of like, you there's know, truth. you know that there's truth to that. It's yeah. not a performance choice. It's not something that he did with the makeup department said, can you make me look a little weathered? Yeah. Weather me up a little bit. It was bit. Clint Eastwood lived that he lived through that. Right. And it's, yeah. yeah. And I love like that, that it's not even like, oh, and he, you know, as an actor, before he was an actor, he worked uh, on a lot of houses and he, right, he got right. in the sun. He was in the Arizona a, sun a lot. Yeah. He was no. a roofer and he yeah. got some of those sun lines. No, no he was riding he's horses. on a fucking horse with shooting gun guns. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He earned, he literally became like an old man cowboy. That's yep. what he fucking is. But, um, about raising Arizona, I think for me, raising Arizona will always be relevant whereas you know like yes there's the some of the stuff that i love about it is the the living cartoon elements where literally we see it's not dated except for when he mentions president reagan and something else yeah the the style of the cars but other than that it's pretty timeless right and we talked about in the episode that the cars are even something that like trailer people might own like well that's true yeah yeah keeping an older car on the road or whatever 1958 whatever (laughs) but like there's there's elements to it that are very cartoonish like his hair Mm -hmm. did you read about his hair at all like the it was more crazy the more crazy it was was more more crazy the more danger his character's in so he like like there's like literal your brain notices but you don't necessarily notice right but it's it's like it's like Wiley Coyote type shit, mm-hmm. where it's like his 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 hair stands up. Like if you could make his eyes shoot out of his head, you right. get the he sense that he would do it. Avery yeah. Coyote would be definitely. It's very Tex Avery, oh, yeah. but at the same time, it's a story. It's a it's a timeless story because it's a story. It's about a man and a woman and wanting to have a child and, and raising it as well as they can. Right, like wanting wanting a family and not and not once, being able to. It's it's a weird story about getting a family. And then protecting your family, right. even though it's all even predicated <laughs> on a weird baby kidnapping. Right. But like that's, I think that's why I keep returning to the movie because there's lots of like, oh, that movie's so funny that I watch like two times and also then never revisit. Also, it's full of heart. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Heart, realistically drawn character. I mean, it's all in the episode, but like mm. I, I would argue that this film is going to have staying power amongst people who know it like unforgiven will have a broader audience sure. and it'll have a um it'll have probably more prestige it, than it, raising arizona yeah and it, and it does sort of not rest on the laurels of his previous but it it has all of that history and backstory of who unforgiven, Clint, unforgiven yeah, yeah, yeah. of who clint eastwood is and that attaches itself to that film just naturally that that can't not happen for anybody that's aware of Clint Eastwood and his history in, in films, and especially Westerns. That that history attaches itself to Unforgiven, and it becomes a part of that movie. Right, and I think that on the converse, the fact that this is the Coen Brothers' second film. Right. So they're not like, they don't have this huge body of Coen this Brothers' This is them coming work. out of the gate, like this is what movie we want to make. This right. is the type of movie we want to make. And and these are the kind of characters. Nicholas Cage make. is a name, but in 1987, he was not a name name. No, not in 87. He mm-hmm. sure was, and he didn't have that that rep. Holly Hunter had been in some stuff, but like for the most part, since this is their first film, they don't have like big A list. No, like, they have AAA born... players here. No. Exactly. So yeah, a lot of them went on to become AAA players. Right, and but... I think a lot of it's predicated probably on this film. I would I would argue that that's I would not argue that actually I would say <laughs> that's like, probably like the case. absolutely. Not. 
not. This movie was doggerel. And <laughs> but no, I'm, I, I am glad. Uh, by the way, the Unforgiven episode mm-hmm. dropped today. Yeah. So, oh wait, no. By the time that people hear this, it would it'll be months. The, on the but day that we're recording, this, the day we the recorded the Unforgiven episode. episode dropped, and I did a little promo for it. And the biggest thing I remembered was how dug in you were, and how exuberant oh, I yeah. was. And I loved. I thought that that that's one of my favorite conversations because f- I like fighting for a film. Yeah. It's fu- it's, it's weirdly weird, right? Fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it, I, you don't have anything personally to do with the film fucking at all. You really <laughs> don't have a dog was, in the fight, but I it's was like nine, I was two years old when that movie came out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, raising Arizona moves on. I'm saying raising Arizona. I was real close to pushing for Unforgiven, which is really strange given my my original, original stance, stance on the, fa- on on the it, film. Yeah. But again, we're talking about our favorite movie. This one's gonna get get shown to it's i enjoy it more clearly it's it's the choice even when i made i made the list so that it wouldn't be easy for either of us and honestly this is one of the ones that i i have little um i have uh lines next to ones Mm -hmm. where i'm i'm like right on the fence right and i put them up there to kind of see which way i would go as we talked about it interesting yeah unforgiven is one where i was uh, very tempted i'm very torn by this decision yeah but i do think i do think raising arizona is the right choice i would agree all right Vamp girl. Okay. Uh, what are we drinking, Carl? Tell people. What oh my drinking. gosh! So so Max uh, had the great idea of having a, a nice cocktail to to help celebrate this first uh, shootout episode. We are drinking Gordon's Gym Gimlets with three cocktail Gibsons. onions. Gibsons. What did I say? Gimlets. You said Gimlets. So if we were drinking Gimlets, no, that would be fucking that would be disgusting. The as most <laughs> gross. We really wanted to like these keep, are Gimlets. We wanted Gibsons. to be like pukey as we yeah, did this we just wanted to like constantly be choking back <laughs> vomit. So we're having uh, Gibson's, a yeah. wonderful Gibson, and you did well. So, clinky, clinky. Cheers, cheers. Oh. Oh, I, that picked yes. it up in the in the mics Nicely too. Done. Oh, you do. I, I you tap. Do. I tap the Baltimore Always. thing. You Is yeah. it really? What do you tell? Do you tell about the Baltimore thing? Oh, uh, it's sort of like just pouring one out for your homies. Mm. It's like to, just a just a toast for those that they're not necessarily in your company. I picked it up at the first bar that I ever worked at, and I've done it ever since. And I always wondered where it came from, but now I know it's a Baltimore thing. Well, it's probably you... an everywhere thing. No, 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 no. In my head now, <laughs> now it's a Baltimore thing. For all of our listeners, I'm it pouring is a Baltimore one out thing. for my homies. All right, moving on. Next bracket. Shit. This one might be another sticky wicket. You know, the man who shot Liberty Valance versus Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So I did a weird thing. What did you do? Because you know my criteria. I do know your criteria. That, that I talked about before. Yeah. Uh, I didn't write anything down for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid because it is one of my favorite movies, top five. It floats between number one and number so two. So you didn't, you didn't want to know in uh-huh. a way. I didn't want to know, uh-huh. but I also know Okay. that especially up against the man who shot Liberty Valance, Valance wins. Mm-hmm. For me as well. Um but I would like to point out that because I have a, a little bit of wiggle room in my mm-hmm. list, Butch Cassidy is immediately below it. Yeah. Another. This is an. This was another like split decision for me. But yeah, I feel like this is the as great a movie as it is. It's like the the not the diehard of the old west, but it is that fun buddy or lethal weapon. I'm sorry, not diehard. Okay, yeah. It's the it's the buddy the buddy cop film set in the wild west west where you follow the bandits instead of the cops, and it 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 did solidify that as a genre the the buddy film right and it's also cops and robbers it's 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 cowboys being chased it's so many fun things happening but 
and it's a tragic end to the to their to their adventure the and it's based endings. it's a based on actual people that actually yeah. existed and but at the end of the day put up against the movie like the man who shot liberty valance uh it can't it doesn't it doesn't stand up to that it doesn't have a chance in hell i agree um Butch Cassidy was one of the it wasn't the first Western. The first Western I ever saw was Winchester 73. Wow. Um, but so my my cowboy is always Jimmy Stewart, which yep. is weird. But and then I think the second one I saw was High Plains Drifter, but I was Shit. like nine. So that's was, one of the first Westerns I remember seeing was High Plains Drifter or Hang 'em High. One of those two. Of, Hang 'em High is great. Yeah. High, have you ever seen High Noon? Gary oh, Cooper. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. We're just talking, <laughs> talking about, about other Westerns, movies yeah. we need to watch. But um for me what i come down on is i i remember from our recording our episode and watching the film the ending we talk about the ending and there's like even mentioning it now i get goosebumps yeah because the the part that always sticks with me is the pan out when they or not pan but zoom when they zoom out of that still store but they stop before they before reach the you soldiers. see this yeah so you don't you all you see with all that clear background behind open space behind. right and i think with that episode what we really touched on was sort of the Nostal like a like sort of like a a melancholy goodbye to a, like American West, the nostalgia mm-hmm. of the American West, which is funny because the man who shot Liberty Valance is the same th- saying the same thing in a way. It's a it's almost like a deconstruction of it's not because it predates it by quite a long time actually. Uh, uh, it's uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance is 1962. Butch Cassidy was 1969. Mm-hmm. But you can almost if you just stack them against each other like that, the man who shot Liberty Valance is basically a film that takes apart all of the stuff that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid puts Put together. Because mm-hmm. theirs is like this romping, they're folk heroes, they're love. Yeah, yeah. And the man who shot Liberty Valance is like, all those folk stories you heard are probably built on a lie. It Unforgiven takes it one step further where you find out that it's like, oh, he was drunk and he shot his own toe yeah. off and they were all <laughs> right. fighting over a prostitute. Like it's, that takes it right down in the dirt. But like the man who shot Liberty Valance has a weird, I mean... It's this, like your heroes are, are not what, what you, you thought they or were. Or who you thought they were, yeah. And there's a... Uh, oh, God. That's... that's And the breaking of the West, too. Like, those ticky-tacky houses versus the, the Wild West that was alive and flourishing. Right. And there were, you know, it, it was a melting pot in the truest sense. Butch Cassidy is a, is a like, a fond farewell to America. Right. To, it's like, a, the nostalgia. It's a... a Good night, y'all. Well, but, yeah. But, but they're saying goodbye to, like, the nostalgia. Right. Whereas, I think in Liberty Valance, that's a goodbye to the West Period, period which is heartbreaking it's you can't it's it, i know we talked about favorite movies versus like good films but i think in this case liberty balance is both for me oh i would agree yeah. the uh just to really i mean people have heard the episode but to revisit it really quick the the contrast between our first images of the like root and toot and west and then those like barren streets with the like it's it's highly like sanitized yeah the 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 modern west is mm-hmm. like totally scrubbed clean yeah and it's you like don't... A, it's like a lab bench that's been completely roqueled and cleaned and like yes yeah, yeah, sterilized. Yeah, yeah so i mean for me for me it's a, it's an obvious choice which is weird and it's all does it do you almost feel a little sad having to strike butch cassidy recognize that it's not as strong a film as your tr- your childhood self nope, not at all really? because i think i think because I still enjoy it 
as much as I did the first time I see it. And I always, I always enjoy it sort of a little bit more every time I see it. It's always just going to be that. It's always going to be my top five. I, I didn't have that. Uh, when we watched it for the podcast, it wasn't as strong as my childhood memories. Yeah. And now... I've watched it a lot more, too. I mean, I've watched it recently before the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This I've is one of those, like, almost s- like a yearly sort of watch for me. Okay. I think some time had gone by since the last time. I remember it so but, fondly. Yeah. But I just... Uh, like I remember in my childhood version, it was like a different movie. Yeah. Okay. I but can see uh, that. for me as it ages and as I age with it, I, I just, it doesn't like it less and less. Yeah. And well, no, I don't like it less, but it just, it, it has more cracks in oh, it. Oh, fair enough. There's more, there's more lulls and it doesn't sing to me like it used to. So, and in a weird way, I feel kind of melancholy about that. I want, so you're sort of losing my nostalgia maybe? nostalgia a little bit well, well you know what's there there are movies that i watched as a as a child and we just talked about one of them like raising arizona yeah. to me is every iota as powerful and fun and crazy and off the wall and moving and 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 vivid now as it was when i was a kid and i think that's why i'm a little bummed about the butch cassidy thing is because i I felt like it would be because it wasn't. It it wasn't. It is kind of sad. I'm sorry, Max. It's fine. All right, so you should watch the remake, and then you will be like, "No, this one's Butch Cassidy's the best film ever." ever. So I'm going to strike that, and we're going to move on to the Dark Horse Division. So Dark Horse Division, and I think is going to be real interesting. We got two Nicolas Cage flicks competing against each other and two from the from, Mar- from March Madness. <laughs> we do. We have two March Madness movies and two Nick Cage movies stacked to, uh, together. By the way, you can kind of tell that I knew which ones were going to be the strongest. <laughs> because you put them on top. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm I'm going to call it here. I think we're going to s- sweep with the, the number one seed in each bracket. Probably. But let's see. Okay. A Scanner Darkly versus In the Mouth of Madness. Okay. For me, this is a hands down, but I I think you might be different. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so I will probably watch a Scanner Darkly maybe once every five or six years in the Mouth of Madness. I'll watch every Halloween because it's fucking awesome and it's a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the Dano Ma, the ending is like, God damn it. Here He's sitting in a movie theater and he's watching the... It's like, God damn it. The ruined, ending that never ends. That never, that never ends. <laughs> but Scanner Darkly is saying a lot more. I mean, it's it's based on Philip K. Dick. It's, it, you know, it is speaking about... speaking currently about our opioid crisis and right. the whole drug war and all of that and it's shot beautifully the rotoscoping sticks with you oh it's talk amazing. about movies that you can't get out of your head for yeah. a while no it makes you feel a little bit weird do you have notes on scanner darkly because I, I think i if do. you do i'd kind of like to hear what you've searchers eraser you might not have oh, that's our next episode yeah speaking of um, all right so uh scanner Mm-hmm. So the notes that I have for that going back hit to me up with them. Yeah, I'd like to. So see I think got. I found a beautiful and very strange to look at. It's beautiful and strange at the Ooh, same time. Definitely agreed. Um, it's definitely groundbreaking in, in, in its use of the rotoscoping. I don't think we've seen it done since quite in that way, Mm-mm. unless you link later doing Waking Life. He did the same sort of style for that. Um, it's Philip K. Dick done well, and I think it's probably the Which is best. a rare thing. There's a lot of Philip K. Dick adaptations. They're this really, is the best the one best for one. me. I mean, yeah. Total Recall is like, yeah. It's fun. It's fun, the but re- it's not. The remake of Total Recall is right. not that great. It's a good action movie, but I think so this is taking, the closest to Philip Yeah, K. taking Dick. that source material, which is not easy to cover in the first place, right. and making something that um, that resonates like functionally with right. the story. And 
for I've only seen this movie three times, mm-hmm. and I do it very. Inten- I watch it seldom intentionally. I think we talked about it in the episode. Yeah, it but makes ev- you feel real weird for like a couple of days. Yeah, like it. It makes me feel detached from reality. Mm-hmm. It put you know. Have you ever? I mean, I'm assuming you've read Philip K. Dick novels. Fav- mm-hmm. You said he was one of your favorite writers. Yeah, yeah. There's just a couple of like weird ones that I haven't read. Right. So I've got. I just went numb and bought a bunch more from Horizon. Oh, excellent. There. By the way, this it'll be closed by the time this airs. Never mind. But you should run down there and check out their discounted book section because it's going away forever. Oh shit! They're not going to have like fifty percent off books anymore. I'm going to go down there tomorrow. I bought, off. I bought all of I'm the Philip tomorrow. K. Duck books that they be, had. Dude, I'm soaking up <laughs> books right now like crazy. But um, for for me, this when you when I read a Philip K. Dick novel, he is one of my favorite authors. I think he's I think he's a true genius. Not like oh man, that book was genius. I really mean that. I believe he thinks in a way that no other human being. No, his he's wired completely fucking differently. And when you read his kind of like Hunter S. Thompson, but for different yes. reasons. Like, yes, but but in a different, I mean, a different direction. Yeah, but when yeah. you read a Philip K. Dick book, I don't know if you have the same experience, but there are books that make like that'll scare you. You read a good Stephen King, you're kind of scared. Like House of Leaves would be a good <laughs> Danielowski. Yeah, it's a fucking wild book. I've never read it, but Bird showed it to me one time, it. and I'm like, nope. this is a, this isn't a book. This is a puzzle with pages. Yep. But like, uh, you know, you read a good uh, Sherlock Holmes novel by Conan Doyle, and you want to go smoke a pipe. And yeah, you, yeah. You, it transports you when you read a when I read a Philip K. Dick novel for. Sometimes up to a week after I finish it, I feel paranoid. I'm dealing with that with the movie we're going to be talking about for their... Fuck yes. We're not going to talk about it right now. now. um, Because I'm still dealing with some shit. Dude, I know. The next next episode that you guys listen to, that (sighs) movie broke, I think, both of our brains. It's so good. But anyway. um, Um, So a couple other notes on Scanner Darkly, because I actually gave it more attention than I expected going through the list. I I was expecting Scanner Darkly to be like, well, that's not a contender. It weirdly but it, is. But it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, another couple of notes, it's super relevant, the, uh, the opioid uh, epidemic, the yep. war on drugs, all of that, which hasn't really changed much since this movie came up. The super strong performances across the board through and with the rotoscoping. Yes. You know what I mean? The, it's like you can, rotoscope... you can lean on that right. knowing that they're going to do shit in post. Crutch. But you can t- use, you use it as a crutch, but you can tell they're not. In fact, they're not overacting, but... There had to be some sort of discussion or during the, on the shoots during the day of, of how that process was going to take place. We talked about Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder Playing, had... Yeah, she she studied Marlon Brando and all these these broad men. Well, especially to, not only... To play Hank. For Roto, with, the, with the rotoscoping and the blur suit, mm-hmm. she, that could have been any could've actor. Been she could have gone and just done her role. So she, not only was she buried in rotoscoping... But she's also literally buried literally under buried, a suit. Yeah. Like, so she's hidden in a suit, literally. literally buried in a blur suit and under the rotoscoping effect. But she went the extra mile and actually plays his superior officer yeah. as as herself playing a man. It's St- That still blows my mind. People go, I know, when you yeah. don't know it and then you go back and look like, at it, you're like, I up. can't fucking believe that that's Winona Ryder. <laughs> S-T-A-H-P. I think I pointed out that when she lights the cigarette. Yeah, all they, they all change to women. Everybody becomes, yeah. all the blur the blur features become Mother female f- momentarily. It's Dude, Linklater yeah. is such a goddamn good director and all the performance in this is, all the performances in this are so yep. fucking solid. Um, and, I, and I find it strangely funny. It, like we, another thing we talked about is like, it's like comedy versus is this an actual drama this movie and the different people on set well like Woody Harrelson and, and you've got comedic actors yeah. and you've got hilarious to- totally total totally, totally. 
totally total like you've got robert downey jr just being, being fucking the, the robert downey jr god damn it not since kiss kiss bang bang have we uh-huh. seen s- such a flippant and fun robert downey yeah. jr like he's awesome as iron man but there's a certain f- like flippant like douche he's, almost he's, like he's borderline- robert downey juniorist it's just god. beautiful thing to watch so i would say though i love the mouth of in the mouth of madness yes i will watch it yearly Yes. From this day at four. But I think Scanner Darkly. I agree. One, a better movie. And two, I just, I can't, I can't choose Mouth of Madness over this. It stuck with me for longer. I'm still, I still think about it. Like, yeah. this is one of the first movies that we did. It is. It's our episode one. Shit. At the, in the Mouth of Madness is episode one of our, of this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, when, and uh, Scanner Darkly is number two. Mm-hmm. So these these are the first two films we watched, and you know uh, we will move on really quick. Yeah, but yeah. I I wanted to like this more than I in ended. the mouth of madness. Yeah, yeah, because I what I did was I sat down and I I shuffled. I did a lot of shuffling, like this movie here, this movie yeah. here, and I shot them out against each other in the privacy of my own home. <laughs> and uh, I, it's John Carpenter, and it's. It's clearly like Stephen King homage. Yep. And there's so many creepy moments, and the effects hold up fairly well. It's got this. It's a lot of practical. It's got right? this great feel to it, but um, just you know, for a little glimpse behind the scenes, this is third from the bottom on my list. Mm-hmm. Just we we watched a lot of strong films this quarter, and that one didn't stick with me. And I don't think it has to do with the length of time between watching. I, I think that that's fair. So we're going to drop into we're our... We're looking at the last two in the Dark Horse Division. <laughs> we got the Valley Girl versus Drive Angry. Valley. I have an idea. Let's not choose either of we them. We have to choose one. No. Yes. And you and I will write a screenplay, which is combining both Drive Angry and Valley Girl together. And it'll be Drive Girl... Angry. Or it'll be Valley Angry. Valley Angry. And or Angry Valley. Angry Valley. <laughs> angry Girl. <laughs> <laughs> drive Girl. Or Valley Girl Drive Angry. My God! Like no matter how you combine those words, right. they're a great film title. Oh, it could. No, it could be like the the sequel to Encino Man. Encino Man Two. <laughs> Valley Girl Drive Angry. <laughs> Dude, Encino Man's a great movie. Yeah. Um. Bird, yeah, has a weasel. In it. Had never seen it, and then Bird showed it to me, and lo and behold, I turns out that I love Polly Shore, and uh, we all know. I'm that sorry. Everybody fucking loves Brendan Fraser. You don't like Polly Shore? No. Really? No. Son-in-law? Mm-mm. No. No. I walked out. I walked out of like every Polly Shore movie. movie. Goofy movie? Yeah, he's in a Goofy movie. Who's Leaning it? Tower of Cheese. Oh, <laughs> he voices that guy. Bitch. Um, okay. No, I. That's fair. We all notch. have those yeah. people. Well, okay, how about Brandon Fraser though? If you don't like Brandon oh, Fraser, oh, he's we might adorable. Have to, okay, no, it's like say. Bedazzled is one of oh, my favorite movies. Oh my god, movies. <laughs> we're gonna do Bedazzled at some future episode. The fact that they all learned fucking Spanish for yes, that one scene. That one scene, and they're <laughs> speaking it. I don't know, fairly well. As yeah. Fuck. Well, at least it appears to be fluent. Right. It's movie Spanish. But okay, look, we're not talking. Valley, these movies Valley Girl Valley Girl Drive Angry I would say There's a reason that these are the last two shit. movies on the list Why is this more difficult than it should be I would say Look I know my vote Valley Girl My vote is going to be Valley Girl just because Now it's this I have to do a caveat I think if well, it wasn't I did not like Drive Angry If it so. wasn't you sitting across from me Drive Angry might have had a shot Because yeah. that I watched it with the right crew. We were all a little buzzed, and it was fun as fuck. Yeah. If you watch, I want to actually rewatch that with you oh, and yeah. like five other people. 
with Danielle because she only saw the weirdest parts of them. Like, <laughs> no, honey, we got to get you a little lit and sit you down with the right people for this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a, like y'all make a couple you just cra- keep cracking beers and, yeah. watching it and you have to be in a group. But if, if you watch drive angry, right, I will say it, if you, fun. you watch it alone, it's a one-star movie. You watch it with a crew. This could be upwards of like four stars. I'm not kidding. It's fun, but for the I do love that movies can do that, though, yeah. by the way. It's the flexibility they, of they, they watch differently depending on who you're watching them with, what time of day. It's like this so subjective. It's like music. It can change the way you feel, but it can also the way you feel can change the movie. It's like the weirdest fucking thing. Given that we're talking about Valley Girl and Drive Angry, can I be like stunningly pretentious really quick? Absolutely. So I have a friend who is a classically trained opera singer who's going through um, like a grad, uh, not a grad program, but like mm-hmm. an advanced arts course at a uh, She's like a fellow somewhere. And it's a guy. Oh. But yes. Um, so he's an opera singer and he like does he he performs in operas and he's been getting more and more been getting me into opera interesting and i just watched my first opera uh like three days ago I'd, i've i've obviously I've, everyone's heard Pavarotti, everyone's heard mm-hmm. the famous arias but i've never watched a performance if you go on amazon prime you can stream oh, shit like Don giovanni of- and all those mozart Right, right, right. Ooh. Everyone knows the the Mozart ones, but he pointed me toward Giuseppe Verdi's uh, La Traviata. So La Traviata was my first opera. I wish I could remember the name of the the woman who plays the lead because you're watching opera, so there's this big mystique around yeah. it, right? Where it's like, oh, you'd, they're singing in a foreign language, and it's weird because they're singing everything. You have to have and a libretto to follow along, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Although I found out. Um, that most modern opera houses now they have the libretto it's amazing cool is that That in english the lyrics are up there so you can follow the story so i watched la traviata on my couch and uh i'll show you after we stop airing but i hooked up my tv to my like legit ass speakers so you get fucking sound now so i'm like watching this and you know like five minutes and i'm like this is fun 10 minutes in i was fucking weeping on my couch dude yeah i was getting chills (laughs) it's a two-hour you let it grab you you're, Holy you're in for the ride shit, dude i'm like for real now i i never thought i'd be i always thought like oh like if if we if a chance goes to go to an opera sure I'll oh go sure check it absolutely out. dude i'm sitting alone in my house watching op streaming opera on my amazon prime account and yeah. it fucking like wrecked me and then it lifts you up i i got so sucked into it <laughs> i love that <laughs> i didn't expect it at all but uh i i feel like the the flexibility of mm-hmm. of film is kind of the same way right. like an opera can be performed badly and not land for you like adam has shown me that's an, it's adam lau okay. but adam has shown me um examples of bad opera and it's you're really like jesus right but when it hits you right when it's done right same same performance in different hands fucking just it'll just grab your heart it it's amazing sings it literally With, yeah. sings to you yeah so i mean obviously valley girls it's valley girl bracket. absolutely okay so we have finished our shootouts Ooh, our, now this is where the hard part begins i, I know think. yeah we've, this uh, is where the shit oh hits the God. fucking proverbial this was gonna fan. this was always gonna be the you know yep. thinning this is the easy part cutting the chaff right. right now we are in the legitimately difficult brackets here okay so we've right. got uh now the top the way that this is going to work because i did create a dark horse category is the winner of the top bracket between the searchers versus the machinist is going to go to the final round okay now, the winner of Raising Arizona versus The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and A Scanner Darkly versus Valley Girl, the winner those of- Those will fight. The winner, yeah, those will fight, and the winner of that will go to the final round. To give round the Dark Horse a little more- 
to give Light yes room. to give some films that might not have stood a chance in single elimination with no dark horse category to maybe help some of those films get a little further because Excellent. I think we like a wild card in a way. Yes, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be completely inaccurate because I don't know how to support. Then did you notice how I was but just I, like yes, absolutely? But what I you said, said wild card because I know that's a thing in sports where teams. That, it was the wild yeah. card over under. Yes. For there the, was a split decision. The split decision and slid into home. <laughs> And then the ump they got the has points. to make the touchback. <laughs> exactly. I think so. Exactly. So, mm. all right. Uh, so, here we go. First bracket. Searchers, I'm legitimately concerned by this. So am I, actually. The searchers be- versus the machinist. Okay. So, if I can just start with some machinist notes. Okay. Stories like this are always relevant because it's a whodunit story yep. with one of the biggest twists like the who, the who done it is the person that's wondering who's doing it. <laughs> the who done it. Well, I'm not who, exactly sure what you just said. To be totally honest, so by that by that road, this is this movie is not in the running at all. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go go Noah. But it's it breaks it breaks ground or re breaks ground somehow in this particular genre where it feels like a Hitchcock movie. It does. It the, even with the well, score. With the score with all of that, but it's not stealing from it at all. It is creating its own thing, but you know with beyond a shadow of a doubt that the filmmakers are huge fans of Alfred Hitchcock. We've probably talk- the Birds, Vertigo and Psycho in particular and frenzy if you have oh frenzy people haven't seen frenzy this this has frenzy all over it so that so those four then are clear references right to this movie but it doesn't feel this to me is the tarantino effect where you get like a director that's scratch mixing the thing every yes it's 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 not that they're ripping off films or even necessarily homaging them it's that that the uh the film oeuvre that they're working in is so deeply embedded in their bones that they cannot help but it, like exude it from mm-hmm. their their pores yeah. as they direct. When you watch a Tarantino movie, you're watching everything he's ever watched because he loves film that he's fucking. He's putting much. it up there for himself to see. Jim Jarmusch is exactly mm-hmm. the same way. You see other. You see. Usually, it's harder to spot with him because it's a lot of experimental French cinema. Fair enough. And you know what? Uh, the movie we're going to talk about next for in on next week's episode, but later tonight. That is, I've actually, I think I've pinpointed some references to a Dadaist experimental film director named Man Ray, who I'm a huge fan of, and that's the only reason I would ever spot something like this. But anyway, like, film is a continuum. I think Jim Jarmusch says it best. Um, in an interview, he once said that uh, that art is like the ocean, mm-hmm. where all, you're all working with the same water, it's just making your own wave. Because, you know, it's an ocean, it's an ocean filled with waves. It's just, you know, you cannot, that it's ever flowing. It's, right. all, it's all a continuum. And the fact that this pulls off, quote unquote, Hitchcock so well, and yet does it in such a way that you're not like dismissing it as a you're Hitchcock like, Oh, ripoff. that's a Hitchcock ripoff. No, the, the nuance, I mean, this episode was like going insane. Recording yeah. this episode was like the, going the, crazy. The, the thing is that you, you're going crazy. You're losing your mind with him. Yeah. On his whole journey, 100%. you're like, yeah. So it's it's the best best sort of narrative where you're not only following your protagonist, but you are living life through his eyes in a way. And a lot of that's through the screenplay, the way this film is shot, and Christian Bale's transformation, which you can't ignore you can't when ignore you're talking at about this all. movie. And his performance is stellar in this. Right. 
I mean, there is not, I mean, it's his performance, Jennifer Jason Lee's performance. Yeah. This is another film of, and then like Michael Ironside, like he comes, to, he, he steps up to the plate. Oh my God. And he's he, fairly he's still small. Playing, role. He's still playing Michael. One Ironside. Of, one of, yeah. But it works in a way that maybe it wouldn't have in another film or a different director or something. Look, it's I, just, ha- yeah. I haven't watched this film or listened to the episode since we did it, and this is our third episode. Mm-hmm. This is the third one we recorded. So this we recorded this months ago. Months ago. Michael Ironside and Christian Bale in, in Michael Ironside's garage. That's when an he, insane performance. That like the whole mm. his because um, cr- Christian Bale, you can point to anything in this movie, and he's fucking s- just slaughtering it. He's mm. doing so well. But Michael Ironside, like for a fairly small part, and an actor who you normally wouldn't go like, oh bravo, like, hey bravo, Michael. Yes. Oh yes, another stunning Michael Ironside. <laughs> in that, when he's about to go off on Christian Bale, and doesn't and doesn't. Mm. Oh my god. That that laughing, not laughing, <laughs> fucking um. shit, dude. Like this, the machinist. Now look, the, we're talking about the machinist a lot. It is stacked Versus against the searchers. the searchers. Now this is an interesting because you're putting these two, two together. We didn't know this was going to be a matchup. So the searchers is a movie that takes place in the in in wide open. <laughs> thank God that was I was done with that <laughs> wide open spaces. Uh huh. Where the machinist is all in a lot of closed rooms and you don't really get outside a whole lot. I'm sorry, I tore up your... Oh, that's fine. I'm more sad that the... The, the drink is gone? The drink is well, gone. Well, thank God I have more drink I and know, more right? ice and more stuff for the next so episode. So these two movies couldn't be any more different in their scope. Their their setting is their different. Setting is different. I mean, it's, the machinist is but they're dark. both But they're both stories that aren't... They're both very sort of simple stories on 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 the outside. The Searchers is a we gotta go find the girl that got kidnapped, and the machinist, and bring it, and is, the a machinist is a whodunit. They're very simple, but what they're doing within that simple story with character wow. and asking certain questions about morality. I put them I put them in the list where I did because. I knew that for both of us, these mm-hmm. were top tier films. Oh, absolutely. So with the machine, I'm thinking about it now. Like it's, we described it as like a Fincher film. Yeah. It's so dark, like dark. When I say dark, I mean the lighting, the use it's of black grungy. shadows. It's, it's slight. It's, it's and it, murky. It, with the exception of the like brief outdoor scenes where there's a car chase or they mm-hmm. go to the carnival. This whole movie exists in like nighttime and darkness. And it's always him going from like, a building to his car or from his car to his apartment. And even when and he's, he's outside, outside in his, he's car, in his it's car, it's overcast and yeah. it's desaturated and subdued. And he's never really like walking out on the street and when mm-hmm. he is, he gets hit by a car. Right. And you know what? If we're going to fault the film, now that it's you've that, said it, it's that, that CG. That weird CG. So the, I think, especially when you look at what we're dealing with, which is uh, with with the machinist we've got brad anderson he's not mm-hmm. i mean when i said david fincher it's because people he, don't know brad anderson right and this movie for the budget that they had for the fact that they had to travel to a foreign country mm-hmm. to fucking record to, to film oh, to, it to have the budget stretch right and or, that yeah. most of the people they cast in the film are na- are locals mm-hmm. because they didn't they had the budget for like michael ironside and christian bale and jennifer jason lee and that's, and it. that's, that's it. what you get so then everyone else is just like people they pulled off the street the, the, what they what this film accomplishes is stunning but then you got the searchers. But then you have the searchers, which set the expectation for every other film that came after it. It's like John Ford is already 
a renowned director at the time that this movie came out. Yeah. John Wayne was already well known as an actor when this movie came out. Like he didn't have to go out and prove anything. No, he did. Uh, he was established. And then he and puts yet. and he puts this movie out there and says, "Yeah, all right, top that now." Or so I mean, it's true that's not what he was doing, but it was like, "Holy shit." It's, like the shot by shot well, and this yeah. this movie is 1956, so this is actually fairly early John Ford. The man who shot Liberty Valance is oh, that was 62. Right? Yeah. yeah, so like, but he had done like stagecoach, and he and it's done, not yeah. like John Ford peaked early. You watch no. any John Ford movie, and you're like, holy fuck! Like, there you just named it right there. But like, three of the westerns that always appear in like the top five westerns are John Ford films, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. Yeah, and they have like the uh, the Quiet Man, which we didn't get a chance to talk about on the last mm-hmm. one, which is another just amazing John Ford movie. And right? Yeah. So, so, but in, in the canon of John Ford movies, it's it's hard to say that this isn't his his best right movie, and for for more reasons than I just think it is. what it looks like and how it's acted, it's the 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 things that are being being said between the, the lines of, of, of dialogue. It's the things that are that not being said that are that are screaming. At yes, you when uh, you're watching, basically this. everything to do with Ethan, J- John Wayne's character. Abs- Ethan. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's the sim- the simplicity of the story. We both agreed that is this is John Wayne's best performance ever. Easily, I'm by still far. haunted by that that zoom into his face when when he is in that the, the room oh with the God. women that are broken because they've been with the the Indians for so long remind me to show Just you like, I have a, oh. I have several books on western film I took a class on mm-hmm. westerns as american mythology and the cover of one of the books and there's uh, in the other two books that exact frame is the is, cover of one and in the other geez. two because it's it's, it's such that a shot, right? it's such an insane moment in film it's absolutely stunning. It's jarring. You don't expect it for one thing. No, and it's so powerful. I, I Honestly... You can tell that he's disgusted and just wants to put these women out of their misery. Not even out of their misery, just dispatch with them. Yes. So, I think... I mean, looking... I da- love The Machinist, but I think absolutely. overall... I want I want to see the machinist move forward so badly, but we can't. I can't in good conscience. No, not against the searchers. Not against like the I'm looking searchers. down the brackets that we've got, and the machinist definitely beats some of these other movies. Yeah, it does. But the machinist doesn't beat the searchers. Yeah, it beats it beats the well. It just beats, for fun. It beats Valley Girl. It beats Valley Girl. It beats, it beats scanner, scanner Darkly. darkly. But when you put it against, against the man, man who shot Liberty Valance, it doesn't. Does it? Which though? is another John I'm not, Ford. I'm not sure. He's amazing. And for me, I, I, we'll, we don't want to spoil no, what no, we're no. thinking. But what I'm what I'm gonna say is, I think that I think the Machinist is a superlative film. And to be totally honest, I think I will probably watch the Machinist again before I watch The Searchers. Because right, I want to watch this again. One of the things that I wrote down is like the the Easter eggs that 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 are intentional that we dug out of there. That we dug out, but there's so many more left oh in this. Oh my god. Well, the clock. Unpack, the yeah. clock is my one of my favorites because the 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 uh, the ticking the, back, ticking forward, ticking yeah, back. Yeah, it's a digital forward. clock yeah. and the the time that it keeps flashing is the exact um, it's the exact time in the film where the twist is revealed yeah. like that. And the exam, for example, Jesus. the, um, fuck, I can't remember what the number was, but I think it's that same number. But if you, 
it's like a certain number of minutes or whatever. If you take that number and put it into stop that, stop it. And you put well, no, no we talked about it. it but you, yeah, you can fall down the rabbit hole. But the, when Michael Ironside loses his arm, yeah, it's, it's from the, the moment he says, "Will you give, will me, you a give me a hand?" to the moment he loses his hand, is that exact amount of time. Come the fuck on. The Machinist is amazing, but I think I think the Searchers. Because we, we talked about the difference between good film, like the best film, and our favorite and our film. Favorite film. And I'm telling you, like, if if it's best film, yeah, Searchers is hands down. Mm-hmm. But when it's favorite film, it's very close. It's really close. I, I'm, I'm like, part of me is like, I want to put the Machinist up. You almost want to because you're gonna watch that movie more than you watch the Searchers. Yeah, the Searchers. I was like, oh, you haven't seen the Searchers. You need to watch the Searchers. Where the Machinist, I will rewatch. Maybe it's and the, I'll read. Maybe it's the Gibson talking. But let do you want to let's dig into this a little. We yeah. we're doing a shootout. Think about this. Is this the Schindler's List syndrome? Mm. Because The Searchers is a truly excellent film, and it's but it's not my it's favorite. Insanely, on the list. It's insanely enjoyable to watch. But from between, ignore the rest of the ac- list. From an academic standpoint, this is the best movie on the list because of the it's the best yeah. made movie. On this the is list. the Schindler's List. This is the Godfather of this yes, list. Yes, it is. And you know what? It's weird. It's high on my list of top tens. But now that we're in the shootout, and if we're being brutally honest, yeah, with ourselves and with the format that we have laid this out, this might hurt, but. I'm I think I like up. The Machinist better yeah. than The Searchers. I never in a this million fucking years... This feels really weird, years, but I also feel really good about it. In a weird way, so do I. It yeah. feels like pressure's off. Kind of. Because I was... Okay, l- do you want to lay it on the table? Yeah, I was table. 99.9% sure The Searchers was going to win the shootout. Absolutely. When I sat down, yep. I was almost positive The Searchers was going to win. But yep. right now, I'm telling you, as far as favorite movie goes, The, the, machinist, the machinist is... Wow. All right. Holy shit. Holy shit, Carl. What did we just do? Uh, we are putting The Machinist... Fucking A, dude. There it is. There it is. There. And I feel good about it, actually. I I'm, do, too, man. I, I'll spin this flick again. Yeah, and absolutely. Again and, again. and I will listen to weird podcasts about people that are, like, conspiracy. There are conspiracy theorists out there about this movie that have blogs yeah. pages deep on, like, theories on this fucking <laughs> movie. But uh, full disclaimer, like, the searchers clearly is the the best made movie like you said it's the godfather of this yes exactly this, this quarter. but that's what i i'm glad i i'm glad i i nutted up and yeah. fucking said it because you I know i kind of wanted to but i was like oh do i do you is, don't want to be I the one to? to say like come on the searchers is but we all we can both be in agreement yeah. take this whole list of 12 the searchers is the quote-unquote best film on this yeah. list the, but hands down Yes, easily. Like, it doesn't. I, I was. I had a game plan to because I was. I'm. I was wondering if it would ever come up against Raising Arizona, and right. I had a fight plan. But now, fucking it's the Wild yeah. West. But it's all out the window. <laughs> it's all out the window. But yes, we agreed. The Searchers yeah. is probably. It's probably the best film we've watched this year, and it's one of our longest episodes. Oh, well, we it's go like in two, like two hours, hours and plus. something. Yeah. It's in. It's absolutely insane. But that also though is is from a from a, indie filmmakers viewpoint and from people we are both appreciators of film right yeah we're gonna talk about that movie for two and a half hours because there's so much, much to unpack, to unpack. And it, like we the, the reason that i love the western series that we did so much is it, I, le- I literally learned things about myself. I mm-hmm. learned things about what I thought about America and about the nature of um, what it means to be a man and mm-hmm. what that means in this modern culture where like men and like you learn so much talking about the movies. No, but if I we're talking back my notes on the searchers, but if we're talking about our favorite damn movies, man, yeah, I'm telling you, it's the machinist. It's so 
Do you yeah, think- actually, I didn't have that many notes on the searchers going back through. Um, there was some really interesting, like the, the use of the letter as, as flashback and showing time passing. And many filmmakers like Tarantino are visually referring to his movie, Some Shots in Reverse. Uh, it's a road buddy revenge thriller movie with more to it. Do you think? With more to say. With more to say. Interesting. Yeah. Um, do you think that The Machinist has taken a get, gotten a little bit of a bump in our heads because of the movie that we watched for the next Maybe. episode? Maybe. That's kind of interesting to, to say. I was just thinking about it, but I, I, I do think that the movie we watched for the next episode reestablished the, the, how much I enjoyed The Machinist yeah. in my head. And I've always enjoyed I think I said this on the podcast. I've always enjoyed The Machinist. I've watched it many times. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first movies Bird and I watched when we yeah. got together. I mean, this, it's an awesome flick. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So moving on, Raising Arizona okay. versus The Man Who Shot so Liberty Valance. we know one of our final two films. Oh, that's right. So The Machinist is going to be up coming against up against something. blows against something. Something. The, Holy So shit. The Machinist, I never fucking no, thought so in a million right years. Now. I know, man. So excited. We're surprising I'm ourselves. I'm going to eat a cocktail onion. I know. I've eaten two of them, and I know you're, you've just been jealous the whole time. That's totally All right. Wrong. So the Raising raising Arizona. God damn. This is fucked up. I didn't realize how hard this was going to nope. be. Raising Arizona versus The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Raising Arizona. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's not going to be as hard as I thought. No. Well, The Man Who Shot Liberty... If we're going to... If we're going to do Schindler's, the, the, we're gonna Schindler's, list, Schindler's thing, list syndrome, the man who shot Liberty Valance is a better, I think a better, a movie. better movie. I have a lot. Actually, that was going to be my contender to beat out the searchers. If it came to that, well, I actually have a thing that this written in my notes says my case for the man who shot Liberty Valance. Do you want to read it now or do you want to read it I once do. we know who the winner is? No, read I, it now because we're, we're about, to, now, knock we're about to knock it okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It speaks through the generations. It's calling through the ages to get his boots on him and put his gun belt on him, right? It's like... Wow, yeah, that that line alone is... That might be the best single line mm-hmm. of any film we've watched. It's a warning not to lose the closeness and community that was once present in America, even before all the states were considered states. Right. I even wrote down this really cheesy, and I laughed to myself when I wrote it down. It's like, who is your Tom Donovan? Like, <laughs> what, what I... The, who my, is the person that that maybe should have taken the credit for something that you may or may not have done. Like who is, who bumped you up? Like, well, and also who is the, who is the, who was strong and powerful male and violent so that you didn't have to, So you didn't have to be. Yeah. That was one of the things that I took away. I remember from the episode, one of my biggest things was like the fact that that whole it's, this is almost like not just a goodbye to the West, Mm -hmm. but a goodbye to the men who populated it because like John Wayne, nobody could have played that better, that character better than John Wayne because he is the violent man. And what we see is he is necessary, uh, definitely, but eventually to give way to civilization. Mm -hmm. And I love that even though it says he's no longer necessary because civilization has come in, the the movie also poses the question, is civilization really what we want? Right. (laughs) It's such a nuanced film. We both agree. It's a, it's a better film it's it, a, is, it is it is literally asking it is it's calling your manhoods cheap it really does it really really does that 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 line get his boots on him yeah and his gun belt and his spurs fucking fucking hell shit but at the end of the day my favorite scene is the restaurant scene 
be, mostly because of our mostly commentary. Because, because on of it. our commentary. Well, didn't no, it's call, like didn't, didn't call, call Buff, sharp. Didn't call sharp. She's not calling hot. Well, that and it's like there's so much going on. And you get the sense for the Wild West being West, but not necessarily. It is dangerous. It's a dangerous place right. to be, but. It's still, I mean, you still got a restaurant full of people and you're cooking food right. and crazy shit is happening. And, and, and none of the guests until, until Whipcracky McGee shows up, <laughs> none of the guests are like mean or shitty. No. They're not. They're loud, boisterous, drunk. And do you know how long it takes to cook a well done steak that that's, that's that fucking big? That one, two days. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and they're, they don't have a broiler. They're no, pan, they're pan searing they're, all that yeah, shit. Yeah, that's all stovetop cast iron. You're literally. They had to call that shit ahead. Oh fucking hey, dude! That's like what, even in a even in a five hundred degree broiler, like well done pork, ha, like half that thick takes forty minutes. Right. And they're like, make it well burned, and the cook's like, well, fucking settle in, get yourself <laughs> right. a drink. Although that pan is so gigantic, oh, that huge skillet. <laughs> but at the end of the day, raising Arizona is much more enjoyable, and I think it is. I think in a look, I'm not saying like raising Arizona is and some it's like well made. Yes, raising Arizona yes. is. Imp- like there is not an unintentional frame of film no. in that movie. Mm-mm. And again, it's that there are wall. No gaffes. It's like, that wall of performance where you don't. It's have, insane. Yeah, it's it's when you watch that movie, you you're like, oh, this is like a funny cart. If it had been just a funny cartoon, it wouldn't have worked, or it would no. have just been a funny. It, it would have just been, been a Adam, funny Adam Sandler fucking movie or right, something. Right, but when it you been get Happy Gilmore, but Don, you're upsetting the victim. You know, like. <laughs> right. What was on the child's jammies? I don't know. Oh, no. They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on them. Like, that dude's performance, and, like, I, I do love There's her the so weird sort of honesty man. in the cartoonish performances of every single person yes. in Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, like... Uh, the caricatures without being outlandish. It's, like, the weirdest fucking thing. How do you pull that off? Yeah, I mean, when you get, uh, like, the Leonard Smalls coming into Mr. Arizona's office... Right. Nathan Arizona's office and kicking his feet up, you got flies. Like, right. that, and then, are you a cop? <laughs> Not a cop. I'm a manhunter. Just that, that whole... His whole performance, his whole delivery, everything Nick Cage does, everything fucking William Forsythe does... Everything John Goodman does, Holly Hunter, that movie's like unassailable, man. So I'm It's gonna, not a weak film. It's not. Because I think I need to save some of this because it's probably going to be coming up against something else. You got Raising Arizona notes. I have Raising Arizona okay. notes. I okay. said, I, I laugh just thinking about this movie. Yes. Like not even thinking about anything particular. <laughs> if I think about my Blu-ray case in my... <laughs> if I think about the Blu-ray, I'm like, <laughs> you're a funny movie. You know? <laughs> well, and, do you, which Blu-ray case do you have? I have the Nick Cage, Holly Hunter, yeah, and the baby sitting the, on the... the yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so... Like, it's the classic po- uh, poster. So we've got it there. Raising Arizona. Yep. the winner here again and you know early on it's like yeah that's the winner but in these i really do feel like we need to like pour one out for the fallen yeah like, the Discuss man who shot liberty valance i'm i'm telling you this is that is a that is as strong i mean i'm not saying it's as good as raising arizona it's it's a fucking it's an yep. american film classic but for the purposes of our podcast Raising Arizona is we both like it more. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Moving on. Uh, I might rewatch the man who shot Liberty Valance like ten years from now. Raising Arizona, maybe next week. I might watch Raising Arizona tonight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying, man. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Bird. Bird's Bird, not a fan. She doesn't like Nick Cage at all, and she doesn't really like the Coen Brothers either. So the combination is apparently is, I I don't like the Coen Brothers except for um, except all their films. Except for all their films. Yeah, we went over two, this. Yeah. Like, I'm not a huge Coen Brothers fan. I listed like, like 10 and like you're like, yeah, those are all like great. Two of them that I don't. Like. <laughs> right. They've made some recent missteps, but they're, they're, 
their yeah. their body of their body work. of work. We both we discovered that you are in fact a Coen Brothers fan, yes. but are do you disapprove of uh, Burn After Reading and what was the other and one? The you men who like? stare at goats. The men who stare at yeah. goats. Yeah. So there's like two movies that you're like, what the fuck, Coen Brothers? I hate everything. I hate you've everything. Done. <laughs> I'm so upset about it. I'm like, fuck you and all of your body of work. Your I'm, entire movie collection is shit. <laughs> no country for old bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, raising her a boner. Exactly. I don't even D- know. Okay. Did you say raising her a boner? Is that what you just said? <laughs> uh, whatever. Whatever it's you fine. said, I'm going to let it live as boner in my head because it made me giggle. <laughs> Dark Horse Division. This is the Scanner last. Scanner Darkly versus Valley Girl Scanner Darkly. It's, I know. Like, let's not even talk about it. I had to. We don't have to talk about it. I think it's understandable. <laughs> um, we have two Nick Cage movies. I, I pitted the two movies. No, that you... right. Never mind. I, I pitted the two movies that you didn't like next to each other because I, I kind of knew what would happen. Let's just be yeah. honest here. Um, that said, I can't let it pass without giving it a word. I really thought Valley Girl was a lot of fun. And since I posted, I, I posted on Instagram that I'd watched oh, right. it. Um, bizarrely, because I, I, every time I watch a movie for the flick, I Instagram no, it. Insta, yeah. I got more responses for Valley Girl than any other movie I've watched. How funny is that? It's so weird. It mostly because people recognize the lead actress from Real Genius. Oh, she's the lead okay. actress in that film as well. But like the the scene I posted was the the movie. Oh, bitchin', is this in 3D? No, but your face is. Like <laughs> I posted that, and like my brother and a bunch of there was three people I didn't know who posted like love this movie. I'm like, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> watch our podcast. Why? or listen to it. Yeah, measuring flicks, iTunes. Pretty soon on SoundCloud. Go check it out. Um, all right. So we got one more shootout before we Ooh, get to the final boy. two. Raising Arizona versus A Scanner Darkly. I know there's a snap judgment here, but... Yeah, there is. Consider for a second. I, I think I know what... I think I know which way I'm going. All right. Okay. So let me read some of my notes on Raising Arizona. Yes, go. It is a visual delight, for one. It is. John Goodman's face. after shot is meticulously designed and executed. A simple story told from a place of heightened reality where the characters are more than just mere characters. They're something else. In a weird way, the characters in Raising Arizona are like archetypes. Mm -hmm. They're like... But they're not cookie cutter. The way that we talked about Westerns being American mythology... Mm -hmm. You can almost see Raising Arizona as like modern American mythology. Well, yeah, it's, like it's the, the nuclear new... family. They and even the... have a line in Raising Arizona where Nathan Nathan Arizona says the is it the nuclear wi- or nuclear? He says I think he says nuclear, but he says um, the wife and the kids are taking off to well, I won't say where. They'll come home when we're a nuclear family again. Yep that that speaks enormously to the theme of the film. But yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. These they're more than they are. It's the not the thing that I love the most about this movie is something that we said on on the podcast when we were covering it. There's something to be said about a movie that you could sit down and watch and pick apart frame by frame. Yeah. Or have it playing while you're the doing, flexibility, the flexibility of, film. of this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. 
You and can't just. It's like not one of those movies where you're like, oh, watch it, but you gotta make sure. Yeah, this you're is paying not a attention. one or four star right. movie. This is a five star movie that you can just watch, and it'll mm-hmm. always be, no matter what state you watch. But it in. if you want to sit down with a pair of binoculars and like dig through this, dig through this shit. You can dig through or a this. microscope is what I actually meant. <laughs> binoculars. <laughs> but, uh, you're gonna watch, watch it, it from, from my far neighbor's away. house. Yeah, yeah, Bluetooth headset. <laughs> but not, like seriously, <laughs> you can watch this movie with like your imdb open and like a search on your phone and you can frame by frame it and you can that's an homage that's an homage like oh look at that acting moment or you can get drunk as shit and make a bowl of popcorn and watch this movie with 20 people and And laugh your ass either way and cry it's a fucking blast yep that said i don't want to discount it too quickly because i know we're we're riding high on h.i mcdonough right now yeah but a scanner darkly this was your dark horse pick and i yeah. when you sent that to me this is also my dark horse pick we we just uh when we sat when we started texting about this episode we didn't want to talk we didn't want to spoil nothing with, yeah. yeah we didn't want to exchange information but to build the brackets i needed to know our top four so i could pit them against stuff that i thought would be challenging and i needed to know our underdog the movie that might stand a chance when we got down when we sat down and talked about them mm-hmm. the movie that when you just look at it on paper might not win but when two people are in a room and revisiting the film might do better than you expect and that movie for both of us was a scanner dark yeah, how interesting is that i think there's a reason for it too mm-hmm. like put that out of your head for a second yeah and just look at a scanner darkly just take yourself back to the the first time that you experienced the the rotoscoping and the substance D and the drug and the disassociation. And then s- I was disassociated watching the movie. But then also suddenly being confronted with one brilliant performance mm-hmm. and two, like the fact that you can even talk about the cinematography is genius again and again. And you're essentially watching colored in frames. Right. The sequence when. Um, is it Charles, the the guy who thinks he has the bugs? Oh, on the, the bugs! Yeah, the scene when he kill when he tries to kill himself and fails and just trips balls for like hours and hours. His and eyes stuff. just darting back and forth. And the radio is reading a passage from a scanner darkly. Mm-hmm. Like they're reading directly from Philip K. Dick's book, and the re- the there's a narrator to his fake suicide. To his fake suicide. It's the darkest, most hysterically funny humor. I will now read all of your sins, and he unleashes that scroll. And the guy's thing, and then the narrator goes, he settled back and he thought to himself, at least the wine was good. Like, at least the wine was good. There's, there's so many moments of humor, and then the moments of humor will bend slightly and become ominous. Like when that guy shows up, I think his name is Chuck or Charles, but when he shows up and he's like, what are you guys doing? Like, because they're all working on the car. And then all of a sudden, Robert Downey Jr. And Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson has a huge fucking rock in his hand and Robert Downey Jr. I think gets a gun and like suddenly the tension is Suddenly it's like, holy shit, he's going to shoot this dude. Yeah. And then that guy and then the guy leaves and they all forget that they were almost about to kill each other because they're so fucked up and disassociated and strung out on drugs. I mean, A Scanner Darkly is a, that is a genuinely strong film and weirdly enjoyable. It is. But, but look, 
I think I know what my vote is for this one. I think you do too, but I yeah. thought we should give a scandal. No, give it a, a serious nod and a slow clap. Raising Arizona is the It's Raising Arizona. Okay. The the reason for me, because watching a scanner darkly, every time I watch it, I get that, I get chills. It made it pretty far down the... It really did, but when you when you watch... when I, Well, I, I don't know about you, but when I watch that movie and it's finished, kind of like the movie we're going to watch for next week, mm-hmm. you're like, you sit there and you're like, it's like a magic trick. You're like, how did they do that? Right. What, what did I just see and how did how, it work? How, and how did that bend my brain in that way? You almost want to be like, do, do it again. Do it again. Let me watch closer. I'm going to, it'll. I'll figure it out. Right. And it's, it gives you that same sense of delight. I'll figure out the sleight of hand, right? Right. It's that whole. The, what its biggest mark against it is, is that it affects me too much. It's too, it's too powerful. When I want to watch it, yeah, I yeah, don't. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm not prepared to feel that way you, for a couple of days. If you've got to work, if you got to work. No, don't night, do it. Yeah, you can't watch it before work or if you nope. work early. You, if you got stuff going on that day, don't spin this flick. But like, if you've got, if you've got some time and you want to like get weird in your head, this is a this awesome is a good one for movie. That. All right. So there it is. We are to our final show. Are you fucking kidding I me right literally, now? <laughs> I literally did not think either of these films would make it to this point. And here we are. The Machinist. Uh, let's let's give them their full due. Yep. 2004's The Machinist, directed by Brad Anderson. And 1987's Raising Arizona, directed by the Coen brothers. Technically by Joel Coen, but come on, we know it's both of them. This... What do we do, Carl? I don't know. What do we do right now? Um, they, they again. I'm gonna go with my gut right now. Utterly, just throw a movie out there. The Machinist. It. You're gonna say The Machinist. Yep. I'm going with Raising Arizona. Okay. So now we need to, we need to discuss. We need to confer. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Um. All right. Hmm. What is your case for The Machinist as far as your favorite movie? All right. So. I see a chink in the armor. So no, right now. this is the thing. So one of my criteria was it doesn't inspire you as a filmmaker. Does it inspire you as a it filmmaker? It does. Okay. Not necessarily this is the kind of story that I want to tell, but it's the it's the feeling that this movie gave me. It's the, the place that it, it brings you to mm. and the way that the story is told through the eyes of our protagonist to where you're losing your mind with him. But Unlike Scanner Darkly, I don't walk away feeling like my brain is hurting. I'm, I right. come away asking questions and curious. Yeah. And I continue to be curious. And I want to go seek out and find more answers. And this movie I will probably rewatch over and over and over again for that reason. And it's funny that this is put up against Raising Arizona where I feel like the same thing could sort of be said just from like the the shot composition and how right. the story is told like the narrative it comes to this heightened sort of place where they're caricatures of each other but uh, overall i think the machinist is a better made movie and i think that over the course of the years i mean it's two different things this is like a, a comedy well about family yeah. and then it's a very dark and intentionally paced Hitchcock flick. Right. But when I when I watch Raising Arizona, it doesn't make me go, I'm going to go out and I'm going to write that screenplay and I'm going to f- shoot a thing. No. For The Machinist does that for me because no. of all the 
twists and turns and Easter eggs and the curiosities that bubble to the surface and, and, and the, the, the twilight zone nature of it too, with, with the clock ticking back and forth and back and forth. That for me, I'm with you actually, that when both of these movies, when I look at them, I see masterpieces of construction Mm -hmm. and writing because with the machinist, that they have so there are so many moving parts to borrow from the right. the, the world <laughs> of the film, but there are so many moving parts where to to cut to have the clock at the end of the movie reference a scene in the beginning of the movie to have to reference dream theory where hands look weird and have yeah. characters with fucked up hands have people missing limbs and have deformities on the same side of their body to to have this it, the world is fully realized Mm -hmm. and every single strand of the spider web that is this film touches and wiggles every other little strand and the viewer is the spider in the center Mm -hmm. and it can feel you can watching the movie even if you're not watching it with a critical eye and picking out all of the the clock you feel all those little twitches and weird you it it keeps you off balance Mm -hmm. because you're watching the guy with the weird hand and it something in the back of your head is telling you about michael ironside and you see the car go through the stoplight and you hear the squeal of brakes and suddenly you're thinking about his waiter girlfriend and her kid and you don't know why until the last like five minutes of the film when bam it all comes together and it le- le- it leaves no two strands untied mm-hmm. it it utterly wraps it up but i feel exactly the same way that you feel about this film about, about raising, raising Arizona. Arizona because for me my particular writing style the way that I like to write I think I said it in the Raising Arizona episode if I could write a script that was even half as good as the Raising Arizona script you've got you've they got two Chinese boys and a Negro with this hot <laughs> one on the outside hit the deck boy mind you don't cut yourself Mordecai that's one scene yeah get away from Mr. McDonough's car and then like you know you know uh, if you don't breastfeed him now they'll hate you for it later yeah. that's what Doc Schwartz tells us every Line of that movie is quotable. Mm-hmm. Everything everyone says to everyone else is quotable. See that boy? That there's the D van. It's, you know he's tired, huh? Well, come on, young man, kick your dogs up, take a load off. Like every fucking line that they write is so considered and measured. Everything mm-hmm. hits. Everything lands. Every performance is flawless. I think both. Here's why I'm going Raising Arizona because I was gonna say I think both films are unassailable, but sure. but the machinist does have one brief chink in its armor. Oh fuck! That, it sure does, doesn't that it? That weak ass CG man. That that weak ass car hit CG. It is so bad. It if it was if it was. Even like in a world of two perfect movies, we throw the one out because of the one I'm, flaw in its armor. I but know. that's but that's how Smaug got shot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing, Lord of the Rings? Lord rules? of the Rings. No, but I mean literally. I'm because t- I'm saying it right now. I'm saying I think that ex- if you cut that ten seconds out of the movie, The Machinist and Raising Arizona would be two perfect, perfect films. Movies. And I don't know if I could decide. But because Raising Arizona is from second one to the final credits to utterly flawless and the machinist does have one moment where every time i see it i'm like come on what the fuck is it that it takes you out of it completely but you, you go back in and it ends so strong and you go down that rabbit hole but every time i watch that movie 
there is that one moment where you're like, ah, fuck. All right. I just read my note, uh, a couple of my notes on Raising Arizona. Which are? I said, a joy to watch uh, from an indie filmmaker perspective, Nick Cage's best movie, almost a perfect film. Everything is intentional. <sighs> but, you know, to devil's advocate, the machinist is the same way. There's nothing too deep going on here unless you seek it out. But it is there for you to discover in Raising Arizona. Like a great Beatles song. They're fun pop I songs. even wrote down, it's highly rewatchable, more quotable than Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's high praise. And the fact that I laugh just thinking about this movie, <laughs> the DV, the Blu-ray the the Blu cover. cover. All right. Maxwell Peterson. Carl Arling. I believe that our pick for quarter one did we have we come is together raising arizona i think you're right yeah. i think our pick for quarter one is going to be raising arizona and i i cannot say it enough though like and i feel completely fine saying that you know what i i do too i just part of me honestly like i'm saying once bird goes to sleep i might sneak <laughs> downstairs <laughs> and like, put on the i'll turn on the dvd the blu-ray player and it's gonna go i'm gonna be like you're like gonna, like, him with you're the gonna baby. open up your blue quiet, quiet, quiet. Open up the Blu-ray case. Or... Exactly. And I might spin this flick tonight, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. But cannot say it enough. The Machinist is one of my favorite films. Yeah, it beat the searchers. Let's let let's let that resonate for a second. <laughs> you hear the silverware in the background. Yeah. But you know, another another thing that makes me realize how much I truly love The Machinist and don't want to take away anything from mm -hmm. it. One of these two movies had to win. Yeah. And I think that it should have been. I th I'm glad that we made it Raising Arizona. But the fact that I am utterly comfortable with The Machinist over The Searchers, the fact that like when The Machinist won, I almost felt like, okay, good. Okay, we did good. it. We did I'm it. glad we did that. <laughs> exactly. That speaks epic volumes to how much respect and love I have for that movie. Yep. The Machinist is awesome. So, uh, our first quarter winner is Raising Arizona. I feel real Arizona. good about it. So do I. Yeah. That was a journey, I'm man. I'm like shaking your hand. You, like, congratulations, Congratulations. Sir. We've made it three months. Did you expect this to be... I mean, this episode is, is it's longer than some of our normal episodes. Right. This is an hour and a half. Oh, I thought it'd be much longer than that. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Sometime. A four, well, actually, an hour and a half. A four-part, two, uh, two hours seriously. episodes. It was, I figured it was either going to be 20 minutes or like two and a half hours. So the right. fact that it's clocking in at like 90 minutes plus, yeah, we came totally in at, fine with We came in at ideal Hollywood film length. Fucking, Fucking perfect. We just need to find a, a, an animator that can do like car the cartoon version, version of, of this. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that in the maybe the distant future, but not too distant, we can get some video stuff going. Yeah. Because I think particularly these type of episodes oh, would, it would be fun. It would behoove the podcast to have. Right. Like the regular episodes would be fun to, to see, but oh, sure. this episode would be good on video. Anyway. Love um, it. Yeah, man. So there it is. Quarter one, Raising Arizona. He, Raising Arizona's got some work to do coming up. Uh, given our, the, what do you mean the episode we're about to record? Well, that and just if you if you look Shit. at our at yeah. our at our list, we got a whole month we of Robin of Williams films. Robin Williams, you've got Terry Gilliam, we've got Jim Jarmusch, we have David Lynch, we have yeah, we've got some wrong contenders up ahead in the wings. Now we're yeah. not going to revisit Raising Arizona until, until the end, the end of the year. Yeah. And what I was thinking actually is we should take our top four and spin all four of them before we do the episode to rewatch. I think that that's fine, yeah. That Get makes them, a lot of because sense, it, actually. Because four movies is doable. 
Oh, absolutely. So when we do our big year-end shootout, yep. we'll just we'll maybe. I mean, we could make we, it a day. Do a thing. Have the girls over. Make dinner. Make lunch. Make breakfast. Make d- in that order. <laughs> I like to do things a little breakfast strangely. Breakfast for dinner. I love mm-hmm. it. We'll do some pancakes. We'll uh, spin the last flick. I, God, God what's weird? You'll be. have breakfast for dinner, but does anyone ever do dinner for breakfast? Question. Mm, steak and eggs. Question I, of the day. Yeah, <laughs> let's throw it to you, listeners. Um. I got nothing else. I'm actually like I feel a, really good. I'm I feel like super jazzed. super good too. Yeah, I yeah. was I was worried that it was going to be like, well, we compromised, and I guess that was the. But <laughs> right. I, I really do feel like we like this was like we did good. Yeah, I feel so good, Carl. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh, you have some housekeeping. Well, and yeah, and I'm glad that we feel good because the next thing we're gonna do. Tonight, oh my god! Is. <laughs> Breaking my soul. Again, so I watched this two days ago, I think. Yeah, me too. I'm still fucked up. Dude, it's so good. <laughs> All right, but uh, if you want to find out what Carl and I are so devastatingly fucked up about, uh, tune in next week to Measuring Flicks. In the meantime, we do have a little bit of housekeeping on our way out, but we're going to go so fast through it, you're not even going to know Let's it's there. Let's do it. Blast through we it. We are a listener-supported podcast, and if you like what we do, if you enjoy our uh, fil- our cinema- cinematic hijinks, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Max Peterson, P- uh, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N. Um, you can get shout-outs on the show, access to all sorts of crazy, awesome bonus episodes we've been doing. Do you? There was a bonus episode that we were supposed to shout out during the shootout, and we didn't. Really? Yes, you texted me about it. We did a Patreon mini series. Oh, right. We did the. I. We should do this really quick before the house. Really quick. Yeah. All right. We did a a series of films over on Patreon called. uh, That's I spit on your grave. We did the original from 1978, and we did the three remakes. The three remakes were fine and fun. The third one was utter bullshit. Yeah. Then we watched the 1978 original film, one of the most controversial films ever made. Yep. Roger Ebert has a hysterically eviscerating review of it, and it's yes. but it's, what's weird is it's kind of accurate. So both Carl and I, and actually uh, my, Bird, yeah. yeah, Bird, who's in the living room, but or in the kitchen, but as far as you guys know, she could be anywhere. Um, we all agreed that if this was, if that we were allowed a to include regular season, if we could put Patreon episodes in the shootout, that movie may have gone far. Yeah. So I want to do this really quick. Look, sure. Raising Arizona is our it's pick, a winner. Yeah, yeah. But let's shoot it out really quick. Let's go down the list. All right. Uh, let's start at the bottom. It beats Drive Angry and Valley Girl. It beats Girl. Valley Girl. It in beats the In the Mouth of Madness. Madness. It beats A Scanner Darkly. Kinda, I think. Yeah, it's real close. So let's uh, let's give the ones that it. I'm going to circle the ones that it might not beat because I'm no, telling might, you this movie is strong. It might not beat uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. It does it beat Butch Cassidy? Uh, no. Okay, so it doesn't beat Butch Cassidy or the Man Who Shot Unforgiven. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. It definitely doesn't beat Raising no, Arizona. No, Kiss of Deaths. Yes, I think so as well. The Machinist. No. The no. Jacket. Yes. The Searchers. No. Oh wait, it does beat Kiss of Death. Yeah. Does beat the jacket, but doesn't beat the. It does beat the jacket, but doesn't, doesn't beat, beat the searchers. searchers okay, right. so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So this movie is just barely not in the fifty percent. In the fifty percent, right? So this would be the top of the bottom, essentially, and I think that actually fits pretty well with the movies that we watched. But I'd lo- I, I just wanted to give the the we, movie a shout out on the on the regular show. Yeah, because the, it was. 
even if you don't go and listen to the Patreon episodes, mm-hmm. um, which actually are a, a lot more fun than I was right. expecting, <laughs> they turned out really well. But if even if you don't listen to the Patreon episodes, if you think that you can stomach it, it's a harsh movie. It's hard to watch. It's, it's not easy. No, it's definitely a bit of a bitter pill, but it's it will reward you. Mm-hmm. The, the original I Spit on Your Grave from 1978 is hard to track down. You're going to have to work to find it, but... Damn it! If that was not a great film, yeah. There's filmmaking happening in that most movie. definitely. Yeah. It's excellent. So I'm all right. All right. Glad we remembered. Yeah, to do just that. wanted to shout it out. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you can you can go and hear the episode we did on that and the other remakes. Uh, coming up, we're going to be doing uh, House of Wax and the remake of House of Wax, where we can get, uh, as Carl right. pointed out, Vincent Price in one and Paris Hilton dying in the other. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so fuck yeah, um yeah, go over there and read read all about it over there. Um, speaking of listener support and patreon we have some patrons that we shout out every episode until we get enough patrons that it becomes untenable which who knows when that'll be hopefully soon hopefully soon um so i as always i will start out by thanking profusely and from the bottom of my heart i feel like we're at some like weird award show because <laughs> i've too. got this yeah. thing <laughs> written um john shiby and casey shiby over in nyc you guys make this this show and the Chapman and Robin because that's another show that they support. Um, you make these podcasts possible. We couldn't do this without you, and we would not be having nearly as much fun if I if I didn't know that you guys were listening every week. And I get te- I, because they're my friends. I get right. texts from them in the morning, and they're like, "What the fuck were you thinking?" <laughs> or like, "I totally agree with you, man." Like, I love getting that is awesome. Feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we also are supported by the one and only Connor Sweeney. One and only Connor Sweeney. Mm-hmm. I. You're not talking about the Connor Sweeney who was recently cloned over a thousand times. Uh, no one is supposed to know about that. It, what, it was, did they release the official uh, the memo report? They there did. was a, no. I don't think it was. It was a leaked memo from North Korea. The North Korean cloning program. They cloned Connor, Connor Sweeney. Sweeney's going to be pissed. Which one? There's over a thousand of him now. I thought there was ten. Do you mean no? They cloned a thousand. Do you mean Connor Sweeney Prime? Or are you talking about Connor Sweeney One? Are you talking about Connor Sweeney Two? Okay. Are you talking about Connor Sweeney Three? <laughs> which <laughs> I don't know how we're supposed to refer to him anymore. And actually, which one are we shouting out? Does is he the, the Connor Sweeney? Now is it the Connor Sweeney? Oh or, my God! Now I don't know. Because what if what if Connor Sweeney five sixty six has a really great job and now he's the one that's bankrolling this podcast? Carl, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? Go ahead. My entire life is a lie. <laughs> Connor Sweeney, the real Connor Sweeney. If you're out there, just shoot me a text, bro. Let me know which one you are. Just give me, just text me a number. Let which, me know which Connor Sweeney. Do which you Connor know? Sweeney? I don't know. Oh my god. It could be it could be any of them. <laughs> look, we really like the machines. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, this is evidence right there. I, mean, I have so much fun fucking <laughs> making shit up for Connor. Um, all right, so if you want to follow us, mm, no, let's stick with the show. If you have anything you want to say to us as podcasters of Measuring Flicks, you want to talk movies, you want to talk films, you disagree with our picks, Holy or you shit. think that we made the right move, you can drop us a line because we have an email address I'm now. I'm so happy. It's Measuring Flicks podcast at gmail.com how fucking easy is that you wait you had to set up a whole gmail account oh yeah man how long did that take you it, literally i was online for like 35 seconds today <laughs> it was fucking harrowing i'm on there they're like what do you want your email to be i'm like jesus i have to pick this are you kidding me uh, i guess like the name of the podcast and then the word podcast <laughs> God, and then they're like, password. I'm like, fuck, I gotta make up a password? 
oh, everything I type just looks like a dot. How am I supposed to know what my password is? It was terrible. What would be great is if password is just like asterisk, 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 asterisk. <laughs> so then what you're seeing is utterly it's accurate. utterly accurate. Yeah, so drop us a line, measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us your harrowing stories of 35-second email <laughs> accounts. <laughs> I can't wait to start getting like sex spot spam. Oh my god, it's gonna be great. Just be reading it on the podcast. I'll be like, somebody named Sassy Susie seventy six wants me to eat her butt for now. <laughs> Tiny Daddy Big Dick wants to. <laughs> By the way, Carl, have you ever been interested in male enhancement? Because boy, do I have some literature for you. Oh, wow, forty seven pages. <laughs> Um, if you want to follow uh, follow us on the normal uh, through normal channels, um, social media is the word I was looking for. I think for. that's the one. Yeah, Carl Hartley is on Facebook as Carl Hartley. That's K A R L H A R T L E Y. He's on Instagram. I swear to God. Yeah, and I'm one there. day I will get him to post some fucking pictures. Crazy Carl, one word, right? Yep, one word. Crazy Carl zero zero six double o six double o six. And if you don't know what that means. And go fuck yourself. Exactly. And it's crazy with a K. Crazy, crazy with a K. Crazy Carl 006. I'm on there as actual Max P. I am on Twitter occasionally as Max J. Peterson. That's all the shit that's fit to print. Dude, you David Letterman the shit out of that. I know, dude. Did you see that thing yeah. just like whip around like a little fucking shuriken? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> All right, so uh, that was our first shootout episode. I'm super stoked to do another one. I almost want to just binge all the movies we? so we can do this. <laughs> do you want to just record, uh, you know, 11 episodes next time we get together? Oh, and do a if, it were, if it were a different lineup of movies, yes. Oh my God, yeah, we got some really heavy, heavy hitters coming yeah. up. All right, so that's all I have. So, you know, uh, you know what I'm going to do? What I'm are you going to do? In, rather than do a sign out, oh. I'm just going to uh, just continue to talk and continue to ramble. And behind it in post, I'm going to put the Oscar music telling me to get off the stage because we did a little mini awards show. And I think that it's really oh, cool. And you sort of dressed up a little that. bit. For I did. The well, look at you. You're I mean, wearing, wearing a jacket. You've got a polo shirt. You've got a, is it tweed? Would you it's call a that a it's tweed? It's like a tweed jacket. I can it's see like a, a hook coming from off the stage. I mean, maybe a small one. There's, it can't get as bold. The hook? Like, you know, no, definitely not. And so if they jerk me off stage, it's going to be. They're going to jerk you off stage. They're going to jerk me off the stage. Continue. <laughs>